Hi, and welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on a deep dive of what's happening in the food, wine, and hospitality scene. Uh, if you're new here, thanks so much for joining me. I am in the gorgeous Wine Lair, the private wine club, next to the Ritz-Carlton. They are a sponsor of the show. I'm so grateful. And if you haven't had an opportunity to be here, um, you should totally check it out because it is really swanky. And if you haven't heard the memo, um, private clubs are really in right now, not just here in the D.C. area, but nationally and internationally. Everybody wants in on the trend. This particular private club is very focused on wine and spirits. So they have these fabulous lockers. Um, it's so much fun to play in that cellar. Not that I can drink a any of those people's wines, but I can certainly window shop and see the kind of wine and spirits they're keeping on tap there. Uh, anyway, you should check out everything at uh, Wine Lair DC on Instagram. You can find out more about the concept and you can come in and check it out. So a little bit about me. I've been covering the DC food, wine and hospitality scene for 20 years. The list are you on it.com, the online e-zine that tells you about everything happening in DC. You follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, please, to this show on YouTube. Uh, let's see, where else? Oh, you can find me on WTOP as well. Uh, and every Sunday, you hear me and my husband on Foodie and the Beast on 1500, TC's only food and wine hospitality uh, variety show. Okay, so um, if you're on my Insta feed, you know I've been out and about. Just a couple quick places I want to tell you about. Um, Love Mikado. I told you about it a couple weeks ago. Brand new restaurant for concepts. I had only done the barbecue izakaya. Um, now I have done, I'm, I'm sorry, the barbecue amakase, but now I have done the izakaya. Fantastic food. You have to see what's going on there. And um, Michael Wilder is doing the cocktails and they are pretty snazzy. Uh, went to King's Queen's English. Everybody's talking about it. Little tiny spot up on 11th Street Northwest. Um, they're executing Hong Kong style Chinese. Um, I love the space. I think the food is good. It's definitely worth checking out. Make reservations because it gets crowded. Brand new Villa Yara, a new Lebanese concept is opened in Georgetown right across from the Four Seasons. They are struggling with their staffing, but that part aside, they're serving terrific Lebanese wines and they have a really proactive food program. So all those things are items that you want to check out. And I'm going to yell at my guest right now because he's on his phone and I'm going to tell him to put it away <laughs> because the interview is about to start. Let's do um, it. Okay. So many of you know that I have an incredible relationship with the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington, otherwise known as RAMW. And over the years, not just on this show, but also on Foodie and the Beast, Kathy Hollinger, the former CEO and president, has come on the show to keep us posted on all the things that were happening, whether it was staff shortages or Initiative 77 or Restaurant Week, um, the pandemic insanity. Um, RMW is truly a lifeline, not just for their members in the industry, but also for diner, diners and consumers as well. So there is a new sheriff in town, uh, actually a new CEO and president, Sean Townsend, who many of you may remember, he was the very first director of the mayor's office of nightlife. Um, it was a pretty snazzy title and everybody wanted to know how he got the job and they did not. Um, and now he's head of the RMW. And really what I want to talk about with Sean today is in the current state of the world, there are so many new concerns for restaurants mm -hmm. and for diners, and how do you advocate and promote sort of the vitality of what's happening in the region, but also, you know, make it work for everyone? Because restaurants are not a monolith, and diners are not a monolith. There's lots of levels to each, and you guys just lost uh, launched the Food Jobs DC, mm -hmm. which I totally want to talk about, and then we got the Ramays, which we'll get to at the end. So hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. to be here. It's, Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so thrilled to have you. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about your background and how you wound up at the mayor's office and started of got to be the mayor of nightlife because that sounds like a fun gig. The key word is sounds. Right. <laughs> um it was it was um a very I was just honored to be be the uh, the one selected. There were a number of interviews for that position. I had previously 
uh, spent some time at ABRA, which is our mm-hmm. um, alcohol licensing agency. So mm-hmm. I was able to to establish a relationship with a, a lot of operators, mm-hmm. um, seen a lot of things over there. And I think the timing was just right. Heard all the complaints <laughs> about ABRA. So you were able to like put two and two together. Yeah. Um, and take the enforcement piece out of it and come on the other side and mm-hmm. be a real advocate advocate for the industry. So, um, yeah, that was 2018, 2018. Right. And so... You were still in the role during the pandemic. That's right. So you and you and Kathy really worked very closely together because so many things worked hand in hand. So you must have learned so much at that time. We spoke every day. There mm-hmm. wasn't a there was not a day during the pandemic from March of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, seems so long ago. I know. Um, there wasn't a day that we did not talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was going on in the industry, what she was hearing, what it, what did folks need? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I literally was the go between, between, uh, you know, the industry, RMW and the Bowser administration. So that's when I was really able to learn a lot about, um, the association and mm-hmm. what are, what were the things that were important to the industry? Well, but so now, three years later, You've taken well. You started six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, what is important to the industry? What I mean, I have a long list of <laughs> things that I think are important. Yep. But for you right now, as a CEO and president, now that you've been there for six months, you've you've had some run up time. Yep. So what are you seeing are the priorities? What are the members most concerned about? It's well, I think it's one, the remnants of the pandemic mm-hmm. and ensuring that, um, you know, our elected officials, our policy makers uh, don't think that restaurants are completely back um, mm-hmm. because they're not. Although we are we do see crowded restaurants at times. I was going to say it's it's deceiving. Yeah. The, listen, I felt during the pandemic, you heard about razor, uh, razor thin margins, right? CNN, everybody, wherever, wherever you yep. got news, they talked about restaurants and razor thin margins. And for some reason, people don't understand that those razor thin margins still exist today. That's right. Whether you talk about the, how much the price of the per square foot, food costs, labor costs, et cetera, everything has increased. And I will be honest. I mean, I've been out and about, and there isn't any place that I've been to that is quiet. Yeah. I mean, if somebody says to me in the industry, so people are really struggling out there, huh? I'm like, not everybody, most people. I mean, the people that are struggling, there's a reason that they're struggling. Yeah. That's a a different show. Yeah. Um, So, but just because places are busy. Right. And they're hopping. And we walk around and there's new places opening. That's right. It doesn't mean that the the important issues still don't exist. Right. And and that's what that's been my priority is ensuring that we just don't we just don't write off the industry and say, okay, restaurants are good. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next uh industry. Right. Um, no, we're not completely back. What what's mm-hmm. happening, just like you said, is it it now costs more to operate a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But what I do enjoy seeing is people um, you know, coming out and enjoying new restaurants. We're seeing new places land. I know Philippe Chow is coming on board yeah. really, really soon. I'm excited about that one in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, uh, that's our number one priority. And then also the uh, implications of initiative 82 post, uh, the November election where voters decided that, um, we're going to eliminate the tip credit. And okay. So. Let's go down a tiny rabbit hole since you brought it Let's up. Let's unpack it. Okay, so Initiative 77 was a couple of years ago. Yep. It got it also got voted in because the language was so confusing. Because yep. the language is basically like, don't you want your servers to make money? Absolutely. Right? Which, of course, and most servers were against it. Yes. In fact, a lot of... So the servers at the restaurants that pull in big tips and big money are really against it. Absolutely. But somebody who works at like the corner shop is kind of like, I don't know, maybe that's kind of good. Yes. Right? Because they're not making a decent living wage. Right. They're not making a decent. So, but for people who don't understand, if I can just interject this right now, prior to any tip credit, prior to any of that, um, right now, when you go to a restaurant, 
if the server does not make minimum wage with their tips, mm -hmm. the restaurant has to pay them minimum wage. Correct. So it was already happening. Yes. But that's, I just said a mouthful. Yeah. I put that in a sentence. But you get it though. Uh, well, of course I get it. I'm in the industry. <laughs> but so this new initiative comes. People are confused again. They vote for it again. So yep. what is it and where are we? So initiative 82 passed. We are eliminating the tip credit. Uh, and the language says by 2027, July 1, that it's, uh, it'll be eliminated. So the operator of a restaurant mm -hmm. will be required to now pay tip workers full minimum wage when this is completely eliminated. Okay. And what is full minimum wage right now? I believe it's seventeen dollars. Yeah, let's just say seventeen. Yep. So they have to pay just their tip workers. This doesn't include with, include what's going on in the back of the house. So right? back of the house is already getting paid minimum wage at right. least. At least. At least. Right? We okay. know that. So that's what's going on there. So now, I guess for people who don't understand the issue, mm -hmm. what's the problem? That's almost a 200% increase in labor costs for our restaurant operators. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know anywhere on the planet that um, that could that is okay for restaurants to absorb mm -hmm. and not um, raise prices or implement dun -dun -dun -dun, a service charge, right. which we've been seeing in a number of ways across the city. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the, the money has to come from somewhere. And I think we are all trying to figure out how to uh, digest this, um, this new normal that's coming. Well, so let's talk about service charges. I mean, we've, I've discussed it with a lot of different people on the show. Um, I think of like Hollis Silverman over at the Duck and the Peach. Um, she's an excellent example of the service charge. She's incredibly transparent about it. Yeah. You know, um, right now I think most of her employees get healthcare or, or partial paid healthcare. Good. They get vacation days. I think they get sick days. Like she wants, I mean, a lot of the people who work there, she's a woman owner, right. woman chef, woman GM. I think there's a lot of like room for children. Like she wants it to be there to be a work balance, which yeah. let's be honest, is really hard in the restaurant industry. For sure. Just because of the native structure of it. So she's instituted it. They're very clear about it, where each penny goes. But a lot of places aren't. And yeah. it's kind of like some places charge 10%, some charge, you know, 23%. Some are yep. like, you can leave a tip, don't leave a tip. <laughs> it's so confusing. It is. It is. And, you know, of course, we can't, as, a, as an association, we cannot tell the operators or our members, hey, you should be implementing this amount as mm -hmm. a service charge. Um, we can only give them guidance and in, in, in ensuring that they are not deceptive about the fees. We want everyone to be upfront mm -hmm. about the fees so that in the end, there's not this confusion about what's this extra line on the bill. Um, and I think we've done a good job of that. We'll continue to push out messaging. There's a, a but what's the feedback you're getting from restaurants who aren't doing it yet or who haven't started with the service fees yet? What's what are their issues with it? I think they're holding out to see if they can afford the mm. the hit of mm -hmm. of the increase in labor. I think they're they're waiting to see if they can afford it. Some operators that I talk to just don't feel comfortable implementing the service charge yet. Mm. Um others are paying their their staff uh way above minimum wage already and not really relying on the tip credit right now today. Mm. So, uh for some it doesn't impact them. Okay. Um you know, for others they are trying it out now. They're trying out different things now to see what the best model is for them and I think over the next couple of years, we're, we're going to see that, you know? Well, I mean, I'm sure you recall in the beginning of the pandemic, and I know I'm like a broken record. I've said this before. Um, in the beginning of pandemic, like March and April, when things were so like insane, right? Yep. Um, there was all from like nationally known chefs. There was a lot of like, we have to change the industry. Like we have to put things in place so that this can never happen again. And then, you know, everybody was chasing their ass trying to figure out how to stay in business. And now we're, we're here. So there is a force of hand to change the industry, which I know, you know, a lot of people have issues with. But do you think that there could be a possible benefit to this? 
You know, it's too, I think it's too early to tell. Okay. Um, this is, this is something that hasn't happened in 20 years in the country. Um, the elimination of tip credit right. in, in any jurisdiction. So I, you know, all eyes on DC and I think. I know it's a real case study. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we are definitely, um, you know, all eyes on us right now. I know mm-hmm. there are some other jurisdictions who will probably be taking on this fight. I mean, they clearly went to DC for a reason. Yeah. I mean, there was yeah. a group. Yeah. Who push this? Yes. Who are not from DC? I just want to say for the record. Correct. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> and I've talked to them. Yeah. And I hear what they have to say. Yep. And I, you know, there are there is a point or two. I'm like, okay, I I can hear that. I can see where you're coming from with that. But it's very picky to me personally. Listen, I came in after November. Right. So you the were like, yeah, there, the damage is done. I'm Let's out. just figure out right. how, to, how to move forward. So what are you doing to move forward? I mean, we were talking off air that you're like up on the hill. What are you advocating for, for the RMW members? Yeah. So it, thank you for asking. It's a very good question. And we've been starting to put out some things to let folks know what exactly we're doing. So, uh, Thankful to council member uh, Kenya McDuffie, mm. who uh, has been a champion for our industry for a number of years, helped us get through COVID with the bridge fund and mm-hmm. other assistance um, uh, th- through through DC government. Um, there's a, a restaurant package that he has introduced um, as legislation a few weeks ago now mm-hmm. that includes a number of things to help the industry. And the, one of the main uh, things that we've gotten uh, lots of positive feedback on is the exemption of service charges um, to be taxed to be taxed by by DC government. So, because the ta- who would pay the tax, the diner or the restaurant? The restaurant would pay the taxes on service charges, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's a huge chunk. No, it is. It is right now. Look, I, I have. Um, one person in my kitchen cabinet, I like to call it. Uh-huh. Uh, he says that every nickel counts at this point. And oh, I will tell you, I've I've had it phrased another way. <laughs> so um, when I first started the list, I first started the business, yep. and um, you know it's an an advertising model. This is twenty years ago, and uh, I'm very good friends with her now. But she was a new restaurant tour, and we were talking about what I was doing, and I said it's going to be advertising, and she's like. Every dollar I spend that isn't, that is going outside the restaurant, that can't replace a glass, that can't replace a fork, that cannot pay for the linen. She's like, everything has to pay for everything in this restaurant. That's right. And that's really how it was so informative to me because while I had worked in the industry, I never owned a restaurant. Yeah. So it was very informative for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, every, every nickel counts. Mm-hmm. So we are pushing to get the, the service charges exempt. Okay. Um, from sales tax. Um, we're also looking at, um, exempting the service charges from those percentage based leases where landlords oh, sure. calculate those, the formula based on your sales. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to exclude the service charges from, those sales calculations. Right, because it's supposed to be money for the staff. Correct. Right? Yep. So it's like taxing that money. Right. And what we and, and what we want to make sure that we we've been very vocal about about this point you just made about mm-hmm. money going to the staff. Mm-hmm. Because the, the labor increase is is it's gonna be up to at least two hundred percent on the front of house. We're talking tip workers. Right. Which, I mean, I have to tell you, I, you've said that twice now, but it's <laughs> mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, think about it. We're it's mind-blowing. Tip workers are at $5 right now. Right. Right? And if we go to 17 that's three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just the reality of it's it. It's just the math. Yeah, that's, right. that's it. So this service charge, yes, we want it to, you know, all of the, any revenue that a restaurant makes, it, it all goes in one pot, whether mm-hmm. it's through service charge through uh, you paying for dinner, mm-hmm. um, through online orders, third-party delivery, et cetera. It all comes into one pie. Right. All right. So when it comes into that pie, the owners aren't taking that pie home, putting it in their pocket, going on vacation. I mean, listen, <laughs> I love that line of thinking because I, I think that a lot of people think like everybody's a criminal, right? Like everybody's nefarious. Like if we don't have these strict structures in place, yeah. you know, people are just going to run off with the money. Yeah. The bad players do, but nor- more times than not, they get caught. Yep. And that happens. But I mean, we, there's just so many people in this industry that you and I both know 
these are business people and they want their businesses to succeed, survive and thrive. That's right. And you can't do that if you're stealing money. That's that, right. It's a short term plan. Yep. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So there, there are a number of things in this restaurant package mm-hmm. that, um, that we believe will, will help our, our industry, um, as we eliminate the tip credit. We're looking to, to bump up the, the cutoff timeline to 25, 2025 as opposed to 2027. Now why is that? I would think that the people who really don't want it would be like, no, no, no. Let's, yeah. let's, let's let this let's last. Let's delay it. Yeah. Right? Let's delay. Yeah. So I, why is that? I thought that too, but, um, Hearing from folks that I've heard from, most of them prefer to what we've been calling rip the bandaid off. They mm-hmm. want to, as opposed to the slow roll and the, the slow increase every year, they'd rather, um, just do it. Delay the increases after this year. We got, we had an increase on May 1st. Uh-huh. Um, it went to $6 and then on July 1, it'll go to $8. Okay. Delay the increases from here to 2025. Mm-hmm. And then in 2025, just, we're at it. We're at it. Okay. We're at it. And what does RMW, do you feel that you have some responsibility because you're a member-based organization? Yes. Is there a responsibility to share how this works? I mean, other than being like on a show like this, like to share how this works with the diner. Because like people like you and I who are eaters, who, you know. We're insiders. We're insiders. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're in the know. But for people who just eat out, yep. it's confusing. I mean, when I started, I was confused. Like, right. I had to take a deep dive on it. So, yes. We, and not everybody who goes out to dinner wants to take a deep dive. They just want to go out and eat. That's right. And, and not be so drunk at the end when the bill comes. <laughs> they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? With the light. Right? Up. Right? Wait, is there a percentage in here? Siri. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, we want we want everybody to know what's going on. So there's a there's an educational uh, campaign component of the legislation as well for us mm-hmm. to not only let the consumer know, right. but some of our members, the workers. Mm. We want everybody to be aware of what's going on. Right. I think that makes a lot of sense, and yeah. it's going to be like all things. It's it's a process. Yes. And there's going to be. Um, some tensions flared, I'm sure, on both sides. Not like that isn't happening anyway. Correct. Um, but we can get to that. So let's, with that in mind, actually, let's kind of move to staffing shortages. Mm-hmm. So I will tell you, um, pre-pandemic, literally like the week before the pandemic, Kathy came on this show. We were not here. We were in another space. And we were talking about staffing shortages. Yeah. Because pre-pandemic, there were staffing shortages. Um, not in the dire need that it is now, but it was already in, it was already a problem. Yeah. Because DC and the environs can only hold so many people, but the incredible growth, growth of real estate, um, not just places to live, very expensive places to live, but restaurants, the, all the new restaurants, all the new areas, it, there's an imbalance. So I assume you're hearing about it all the time. I'm hearing about it all the time. I mean, my phone blows up. What do you know? What do you know? Back of the house, front of the house. Like, yeah. what do you got? So how are you, how is this association helping its members within that? And, and in effect, helping the diners? So I, you're right. It's been a couple years now that I've been hearing about workforce right, issues. I'm sure you heard it. I heard about it in the mayor's, the mayor's office. office yeah. right? It's not new. Um, and, and so Kathy started this and, and I came on board to finish it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Food Jobs DC is our new workforce portal mm-hmm. where we, you know, we are encouraging our, our hospitality, um, operators to, to load up the jobs mm-hmm. and we are encouraging the public who are interested in these jobs to go on there and create a profile. Mm-hmm. There's a, a nice little algorithm on the backside of it that reviews your resume and it matches you up with potential employers and it lets both of them know, hey, you might have a potential match. Oh my God, it's like swipe right, let's swipe left kind of thing. There you go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not on the apps, but I understand that's how that works. I've heard too. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you better say that. You just got married. Right. Uh, so what was, so this had taken some time to get together, yeah. but now that you're spearheading it, 
like, how are you working with both sides to help fit this problem? Because for people who are not part of this industry and they want us to, you know, put their toes in, they're like, I don't have any experience. How do we help get these people to apply, to get, to be part of it? Yeah. So we're looking at including it in all of the job fairs coming up, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, our, our government agencies, uh, our local neighborhood communities, whatever, uh, listserv, we're pushing it out, advertisements. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to get to everywhere that, um, potential employees could, could be looking for a job mm-hmm. and, and just getting the word out about this portal. It's the, it's the only hospitality portal that's available to the region. Wow. Um, and we just launched it a few days ago on the, so is it just GC? Nope. It's the region. So Virginia, Virginia, Maryland. Maryland. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. Foodjobsdc.com. Right. Yep. It's very cool. I'm so excited about it being launched and I love the way that it works. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I've always like, it's very important to me is bringing more people to the industry. Um, although as I joked, I was at Love Mikado. Have yeah. you been there yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I joked to, um, Chef David or David, I said, um, so the reason why there's a staffing shortage in DC is because everybody's working here. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of people working there. Now, some places do look a little overstaffed. Right? But, I mean, you know that shakes out. But to me, there's pockets in the industry that are missing. I think we lost a lot of people during the pandemic, back of the house, in front of the house, whether people went to go do other things or decided this was not the life for them. Um, But to me, attracting young folks um, who who don't recognize the career choice of being in the hospitality industry um, is so important. And I know that RMW is involved with other programs Absolutely. in order to engage with, especially DC youth, right? Because yeah. um, like the days of vocational school are not what they once were. And I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding about working in the restaurant industry. Oh, totally. You totally. know? Yeah. We, you know, through our Educated Eats program, mm-hmm. we, you know, are definitely in the schools. Um, and, you know, just the... Just to have these conversations and to see just with the students and the, and to watch the competitions of them, mm-hmm. um, you know, cooking and trying to create the uh, the best dish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's inspiring to me to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when we take them to a pro star, a national pro star competition. Right. Um, you know, or to a restaurant to talk to the chef and take a walk through the kitchen. Um, you know, the, their eyes light up and it's, it's not like, um, it's something they've seen before mm-hmm. and it, it motivates them. It encourages them to not only, um, you know, continue on the path of, of culinary, um, training, mm-hmm. so to speak, but it also gives them an idea of, Hey, if I'm not a chef, if I don't want to be a chef, I can also, you know, run the place. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, what I think is interesting is the restaurant business. Yeah. Like the movie industry, right? Like you don't have to be the star in front of the camera. That's right. You can be the guy behind the camera. You can be the person who writes it. You can be the person who does the lights. Like there's all these roles. Same thing with the restaurant. You know, you don't have to be the chef cooking. Yeah. There's all the roles behind him and there's all the roles in the front of the house. I mean, there's, you could be a wine rep. I mean, there's so many different pieces that make the restaurant what it is. It's just vast, you know, and I think making it attractive as a career opportunity uh, for those who, listen, not everybody grows up going to restaurants. Not everybody has the money or lives in an area where they have that kind of access. That's right. So educating people on that, letting them know that it's not elitism, yeah. right? That yeah. it's, it is something that they can do. And then they can have this career path where they can be successful. That's right. Right? Is really important. I mean, to me, one of the biggest issues right now is is um you know housing in dc yeah you know i mean this is a national problem but cities are hard to live in and people who work in restaurants can't always live near their workplace which is a problem that's right you know and and you know i think it's if we do not 
pay attention and, and, and try to address it. You know, we're we're looking at more of our workers living outside of the district um, in Maryland and Virginia. So I, I know that the mayor, since I was there, it's been one of her initiatives to make sure that we're, um, you know, intentional about affordable housing mm-hmm. and intentional about, you know, keeping folks in D.C. that want to stay in D.C., want to work in D.C. as I well. I mean, you want their dollars here. Yeah, right? of course. Yes. Look, when I was in there, we did a nightlife study and we found out that $7 billion is spent that night. At night? At night. $7 billion, $7.1 billion. Like a Saturday night? <laughs> what night are we talking about, Sean? $7 billion. $7 billion a year. And that's what, like four or five years ago? Yeah, that was 2019. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, wow, $7 billion dollars spent after five o'clock. I mean, this is a small city. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It is. I mean, in comparison to like New York and right. Chicago, Miami, LA. That is a huge number for a place that's 12 square miles. Right. Yeah. And the amount of people who live within it. That's right. So what is, I don't know what our numbers are. We're like 700,000 I mean, something. right. We're not even a million. No. But that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a reason why restaurateurs from all over the world want to open up here. Absolutely. Because they see how much money they can make. When I talk to uh, Chef Gordon Ramsay mm-hmm. at Ribbon Cutting. I feel Cutting. like you're name dropping, but go ahead. <laughs> Well, you know, I am president. CEO. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, you know, I asked the question. I said, well, I said, chef, what made you come to DC? Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, in his, in his voice. Yes, of course. He's like, we've been looking at DC for five years. Mm-hmm. We've been studying here. And, um, you know, the numbers just look good. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, John Asadorian <laughs> did this show. You should, I mean, you know, he, Finds restaurateurs yeah. that around the world. When I first met John, probably 18 years ago, yep. he's like, I'm going to bring Nobu to DC. I was like, mm, Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, 10 years later, yeah. Nobu was here. But there, what's interesting is, is that Wolfgang, um, I mean, some of them have worked, some of them haven't. They yep. have to recognize DC is a unique market. That's right. I think Gordon Ramsay is actually doing that at the wharf so that he can be successful. Yeah. Um, you know, if they just come and sort of slap up something, they struggle. Yeah. DC's finicky. We're a finicky market. Oh, we are very picky. Mm-hmm. We're very picky. But the fact that he opened up two places across from each other. I know. Uh, at the wharf. I mm-hmm. mean, it says something. So, you know, DC is still attractive. DC is still attractive despite, you know, the changes that we're going through. I don't want to say challenges. The, the changes that right. we're going through. Uh, it's but it's not detracting. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at what Stephen Starr is doing yeah. here. He's got two, no, three. It's three. Massive concepts. Yeah. With, one with Nancy Silverton. Yep. One with uh, Keith McNally. I mean, those are big, big ass names. Absolutely. You know? Yep. I mean, he's taking over the Dean and DeLuca spot. Look, I can't wait. I'm so I, excited. I am, I'm looking forward to a number of places opening up. Right. Really just, soon. It's very cool. And by the way, um, you can find all that stuff on the list. Are you on com? I just want to say <laughs> every new restaurant that's going to be opening, including Philip Chow is on there. Um, so, okay. So we got all that. I love what you're doing with the food jobs. Um, what else right now? I mean, we can talk about the Rammies in a sec, but what else right now are like really big for you and the members with what's coming up, let's say, for like the next six months. Now that you're six months in, you got, you know, you got your your worries out yeah. and you've got an idea of what's important. What else is coming up, let's say, for the next six months? Well, for we're already talking about restaurant week. We're already in the planning stages of mm-hmm. summer restaurant week mm-hmm. and that'll be late August. And are you going to, every year there's always a little, a little something that gets judged up a yep. bit. Yep. What do you, what do you think for it? Since since it's your first real one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I don't even know if I can say this yet. Yes, Ooh. you can. Go ahead. No, let's see it. Let's see it. <laughs> we can take it out if you get in trouble. Um, we're we're looking at um we're looking at at changing to dates, changing the dates of restaurant week, the summer one to align mm-hmm. with um another uh big event that's taking place in the city around the same time and and um, you know, I feel like you're being really evasive, Sean. And, but and, go and, ahead. And it will it will be announced shortly. Okay. It will be announced shortly. All right. I will keep on tabs <laughs> on that. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's um. 
you know, obviously January and August are slow months for mm-hmm. restaurants. And that's the reason why we do restaurant weekend. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to try to put a little twist on and see what happens this time. Well, I like that idea. And I also, I mean, listen, when you're in the industry, you're kind of like restaurant week. Woo-hoo. But honestly, for the <laughs> diner, it's a big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's very funny to me. And I'm sure you'll appreciate this. You know, people will be like, lay people will say to me, oh, so where are you going for restaurant? <laughs> I bet you're going out every night. And I'm like, no, I'm not going out. At all. It's not for me. It's for you. It's yeah. for you to go. I've already eaten at those restaurants. I paid full price, by the That's way. That's right. But it's for you to get in and experience the restaurant. They're going to give you a taste yeah. of why it's worth yes. full price. Yes. I always love the concept. I think yeah. it's so smart. Yeah. And it's um and the restaurants who get it really get it. Oh, and yeah. do really well. Oh yeah. You know? Yep. Get out of your comfort zone. Go try someplace new. Right. Right. And and go back. Well, you know, I wonder if you feel this way or not. There is there is a fear of people in restaurants. You know, avid restaurant eaters, pro- me pre what I do now, I ate out. Yeah. I grew up that way. And I mean, I don't know how I did it in college. But I was in Boston. I ate in all the new restaurants. I mean, I it's it was my passion. It's still my passion. I just yeah. I'm very lucky that I made it my profession. <laughs> but it it was always a big priority to me. But some people are intimidated by restaurants. They're um, intimidated by food they don't know or spending money. What if I don't like it? There's so much um, approach avoidance mm-hmm. to it, and I really do feel that Restaurant Week really offers an opportunity for people yep. to experience it at a price level that they're comfortable with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Twice a year. Twice a year. It's yeah. really um, great. And again, and some restaurants, you know, do it all month long. I mean, it's funny when you said August is slow. I feel like that's so 10 years ago because like I, when I first started, I used to shut down the list in August because there was nothing going on. Yeah. It was dead. Not anymore. Yeah. August is busy. There's August a lot going on. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Let's go to the Rammies because you have so much going on. I literally got a press release as you were walking in here. <laughs> we both got it. Right? We both got the press release <laughs> at the same time. So um, can you tell people who live under a rock what the Rammies is? Woo! Rammies mm. is, is, is the biggest uh, food and beverage celebration on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. It is the Grammys. Of the restaurant industry. Yeah. I have had the pleasure, I think the last five or six years now, being one of the, um, uh, not MCs, but, you know, I get to I get to give awards, a presenter, yeah. which I'm always so honored and flattered to do. Yep. Um, it's always a great group of us. And um, to me, giving awards to people in this industry. So last year, my awards were for... Um, Best employee, mm-hmm. and I think best manager, and there was one other. But the employee award is my favorite award yeah. because it showcases individuals who are really behind the scenes, and I, it always makes me tear up. Who oftentimes don't get the credit? They don't they get the credit. Like, They're totally yeah. overlooked. Nobody knows who they are. You yeah. know, like Scott Bruno went on for hours. I love him, but you know, everybody knows who Scott is. Every, sure. A lot of people know who so many of the chefs or restaurants are. Yeah, but. Um, you know, when an employee comes up and gets this award, it's it's everything. I just think it's so special. Yeah. It means a lot. It makes no, me it tear is. up. It is. And that's part of what makes Rami so special is that mm-hmm. we we touch on uh, a number of spaces and places in the industry. Um, yeah, so we highlight places, we highlight people, mm-hmm. and then we party till 12, 12 o'clock. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a big party. People yeah. are partying before the party. I just want to show <laughs> I don't because I have to speak in front of people. But afterwards, actually, it's so funny. One year, I was like the last section of people to speak. And when I got off the stage, everybody was just drunk. And I was like, you people are just yeah. Drunk. That used to be me. Now I can't do <laughs> no, it. No, now you can't do it. Now you're gonna have to keep your head together, but you'll be fine. Um, so but you've got some new things with the Rammies this year. So mm-hmm. you have some new categories, and this show will air after uh people can vote. But I love that people are allowed to vote. So can we talk about some of those things this sure. year? Sure, sure. Yeah. We we have five categories, I believe, that are public mm-hmm. um that are public categories where people can vote. 
And um, the voting is happening now. Yes. Voting is happening now until, I believe, May 31st mm-hmm. closes. And we will announce the winners um, at the Rammies. We just wrapped up, um, you know, the nominations for the other categories. Right. And uh, I've, I've sworn to secrecy not, no, to, I know you not are. to let anything out. And I just want to be clear. So I don't know if you know the story, but I'm going to share it with you. So years ago at the Rammies, yeah. I was accused of being a judge. And first of all, I wasn't a judge. And I was like, I mean, I want to be a judge. but And I'm still not a judge. I want to be very clear. I mean, because I can't be. <laughs> but um, I got accused of being a judge. Wow. Because uh, somebody didn't win. Mm. And, well, it was because somebody's clients had won. And I was accused of being a judge because I specifically picked those person's clients. Yeah. And when somebody came and said that to me, I was like, I'm not a judge. Yeah. And they were like, well, you should tell people you're not a judge. And I was like, well, you should stop telling people I am a judge because if I was, that would be a great thing for me. Right. But now you're trying to like sully my name. It was a big deal for me at the time. But it is a secret group of judges. Yeah. Can you provide just a little context of how it works? Because even in the industry, there's always, you know, simmering <laughs> issues of who wins and yeah. Oh, I've I've definitely learned how uh-huh. serious. Oh, it's serious. Um, this, it's like a this, heart attack. This is. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, Until they is, lose, and then they're like, "I don't care." Go ahead. It's a it's a it's a a, a very uh, unique group of of judges that um, have they are very knowledgeable of the industry that that uh, that that is here in DC mm-hmm. in the region. Mm-hmm. Um, they they pride themselves on um on knowing mm-hmm. and if they don't they pride themselves on going to know mm. um and so they have spent a number of of uh days and nights um you know going over uh who are the best places this mm-hmm. year and i mean i'm excited about about the announcements that we'll be making on july 9th well i love the nominees this year yeah i mean listen we're blessed to have uh, such diverse options. Yes. You know, so many different cuisines and so many regions and so many amazing chefs who have been elevated yeah. and uh, able to activate and create their own spaces. Yeah. Um, Diversity was a big piece of the conversation this year, mm-hmm. I will say. It was a very big piece of the conversation. Excellent, as yeah. it should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And let me ask you, are, so like, you know, James Beard has gone through a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. with, uh, Diversity specifically, yep. and it's a pendulum swing. Does that play, for those of you who don't know, um, it's Michelin, I'll just give a little background. Michelin doesn't care at all. They're judging the food, and that is it. They don't care if the chef is a jerk, if the restaurateur is a jerk, if they steal from their employees, they slap somebody on the tush. They don't care. It is all about the food, and you get your star or in the book. James Beard feels very different now. They have a huge pendulum swing, and they believe that you should be a uh, part of the community, that you align with their vision of what a community builder is. Not only do you have a fabulous restaurant, but you are a good person. Yeah. Not always easy to define. Right. So the question is, is where do the Rammies fall with that now? Yeah. Because it's not always definable. Yeah. I mean, we are... I think we're in between mm-hmm. the two. Um, we, you know, we try to balance it out. You know, um, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, well, not obviously, but I would prefer that all restaurateurs are involved in, in their community and mm-hmm. doing all of the good things, et cetera. But we, you and I both know that that's just not the way it is. Well, it's also not for everybody. Yeah. And people are busy and, you know, yes. it takes a lot to run a restaurant and, there, there cannot be this, this, uh, overhead expectation that, mm-hmm. that we all are involved in, in, um, giving ourselves up for public service. So I get it. Totally get it. I do too. Um, and then we wouldn't have all these great restaurants. Right. <laughs> so, so I think we're in between the two. That's mm-hmm. where we, that's, that's where we nice. fit in. That's a Rammy. I think that makes that's a Rammy. all the sense in the world. Okay. So honorary milestone Rammy, Rammy, you guys just announced it. Who, Who's winning that? Who's winning it? 
honorary milestone. There's a couple of there's a couple restaurants. So that's on a nomination. This, these are the winners. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, the yeah. Please do. I know. Okay, so I know. Philomena is on there. Philomena, Cafe Milano. The Grill from Infinima. Yeah. Old Europe. Cafe yep. Milano. Yep. Annie's. Oh, Annie's. I love Annie's. Yep. Artie's. Four sisters. Yeah, four. I know. I know. After thirty years, I know their yeah. choice, but yeah. I know. So yeah. sad. And then the National Democratic Club. Dun, 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 dun. What? <laughs> I missed that one. What? I think it was something like seventy years or something like that. Oh, I, yeah. So, so what is the award? What's the like? What's the category really? It is. It is. It is legacy. Okay. Right. It's long-standing businesses mm-hmm. um, that we want to highlight, celebrate. Right. For, I mean, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. um, they've seen a lot. They've been through a lot for them to still be here. Right. We want to salute them. And I love it. Just a prime example. There's one on this list that's closing. Right. Right. Th- that is the perfect example. After 40 years. After 40 years. Yes. We want to recognize them in some way. I love that. And I will be honest with you. We did not know that they were closing when we selected them. Mm. So that just goes to show you we want to make sure that we try to highlight um, all of our longstanding, you know, restaurateurs for sure. Which I love. And I mean, for those of you who don't know Annie's, um, Paramount Steakhouse, um, you know, they're such an integral part of the LBGQIA oh, community. Yeah. They were like the first, they're on 17th Street and they're like the first who really welcomed everybody in. Yeah. Um, so they're, um, they're a fascinating story. Yeah. In so you know? many ways. Yes. Yeah. And Philomena, she's, the grandmothers are still out there rolling the <laughs> rolling the rolling the ravioli. It's great. All right, John G. Latham. Yeah. What's that about? John G. Latham is, um, you know, obviously we know who John Latham is. Yes, but tell my tell everybody. John Latham is the founder, co-founder of the Class Group. Right. And um, in honor of his legacy, mm-hmm. family wanted to do something, um, and this was a great way to not only. Um, honor his legacy, mm-hmm. but honor um, a, a someone who we think, who are, who our board thinks that uh, is worthy of of the recognition. Mm-hmm. And um, this year, the John Latham Award is going to. <laughs> um, I have to look back. <laughs> no, I'll tell you who. I'll tell you who. it's Mike Curtin. Mike oh, Curtin. Yes, yes, I can't believe I'm filling yes, in for you. Yes, DC, Mike Curtin, Central, DC Kitchen. Central Kitchen. <laughs> So Mike is on the show all the time and on Foodie the Beast. Yeah. He took over for uh, Robert Eggers and has taken Bobby's vision of DC Central Kitchen and just flown with it. They just opened up and their new opened facility. opened a beautiful facility in Buzzard Point. I know. Amazing. Um, They're amazing, amazing people. And I should have known that because he's a past uh, chair of RAMW yes. as well. So. And he's the coolest guy. Yeah. I just so I hear. I haven't met him. I Shut haven't up. met him yet. No, I haven't. Oh. Met him. I have not met him yet. I've been hearing about him so much. He's a great so, guy. So you know, like, and that is that is. I think that's one of the cool things about coming in after Kathy and like being in the positions that I've been in prior to this role. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of people that I do know, right? But there are gems out there that I don't know, and I've I've heard about them. I keep hearing about mm-hmm. different folks, and Mike is just one of those people that. I've heard about and I haven't met yet. That's so yet. I will at least meet him on July night. Well, I can't wait for you to meet him. He's such a, I mean, he's just such a rare gem. Yeah. And um, what DC Central Kitchen does for this yeah. community um, is just, they just do so much. Yeah. Um, and that new facility, everything. So um, we're not going to do a whole thing on DC Central Kitchen. We don't have enough time. But okay, so we've got a lot of things happening. We have the Rammies, uh, July 9th. Yeah, July 9th. Oh, and I, I have to say yes. that the party portion of it is not the same. Ooh. It okay. is different. What does that mean? It is, it is different in a, in a great way. I liked it last year. What's happening this year? Well, we, we changed the format a little bit. Okay. For the better. It better it, be. It is more, uh, explorative. It is more interactive. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it, it, you won't be sitting down a lot. You will okay. be. I just want to be clear. Yep. I have never, ever sat down. <laughs> ever. 
Good. I didn't even know there was a place to sit down. So I feel like maybe you should have shared that private before. Because that's why I'm literally crippled the next day. You're going to love it. I can't wait. You're going to love it. It's going to be good. All right. I'm excited. People get tickets. Of course. You can go to Rammies.org. You Mm -hmm. can go to RAMW.org. Okay. You can come by the office and buy a ticket. They can come see you. Yeah. You can go to the list where you want it.com. And I want to remind people who are interested in either posting jobs in the D.C. market or uh, getting a job in the D.C. market. It is foodjobsdc.com. Definitely check it out. Tell your friends and let people know about it because it's going to be really one of the big places in this city where people connect when it comes to employment. Where can we find you? Do you want to give your Insta? Oof. Uh, yeah. Find me on 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 social media, mm-hmm. all platforms. Sean J. Townsend. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And <laughs> RMW, obviously, as well. So quick, let me just quickly wrap up. I'm so excited to finally have you in studio. I'm so excited for everything. You know, the first you. time we did this, it was during COVID. I know. And I was in the office on a on a screen. So it, I I'm so happy that we were able to do this in person. Me too. It's uh Everything is a gift, right? Yep. It's all good. Um, and it's because of the pandemic that we actually, well, That's we right. did meet at a restaurant, your first dinner with Kathy at Annabelle. That's right. <laughs> That's totally not kosher for us to talk about on this show. Anyway, um, so thank you all for joining us today. Um, so much is happening in and around the DC region. Go to the list, com, and you will stay on top of all of it. Of course, you can follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and of course, subscribe for this show on YouTube. Tune in every uh, Sunday on 1500 for Foodie and the Beast, and uh, stay alert because I am doing some really fun things. I am uh, one of the hosts on the red carpet at the Jane Beard Award this year for Hilton. And uh, I'm going to be out and about on some TV gigs. So stay posted. Uh, Any questions that you have, you know, you can reach out to me on any of my social media platforms. Same thing for Sean. Reach out to him on his Instagram stories or feed as well. Um, What else? I don't know. Just be safe out there. Um, Remember, when you go to a restaurant, everybody wants you to have a good time. So take your kindness pills take a deep breath, order a drink or a non-alcoholic beverage um, and have a good time and have a delicious week. Produced by HeartCast Media.